Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly With Carvana... Stay little chico, pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide, you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Deep Cut with John Roca. That's me, John Roca, here on the Collider Conversations feed. I want to thank all of you again, as I do at the beginning of every show, for the incredible comments and the um, uh, guidelines, suggestions that you all send me about the show and the people that you want to have me uh, speak to uh, and speak with about their lives and their career and their current projects. We've had so many great actors and directors and producers already on the show and more to come. I hope you've enjoyed the recent episodes. I feel like we've really hit our groove with the show, and uh, I think that's in no small part to the incredible guests that we've been able to line up and today is going to be no different. Today's guest is an actor and producer and an occasional rapper. You've seen him as Q in Juice, Malik Williams in Higher Learning, Willie Mays Hayes in Major League Two, Quincy McCall in Love and Basketball, one of my personal favorites, Mike in The Wood, Phil in Scream 2. He's been Dr. Dennis Gint in ER, Dr. Eric Foreman in House, Isaac Johnson in Shooter, and he is here to talk about his latest film, Trick, from horror director Patrick Lussier, where he plays Detective Mike Denver trying to track down a serial killer that strikes on Halloween. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Deep Cut, Omar Epps. How are you, man? I'm good. How you doing? Good, good. How, how's your day going, man? How, what's going on with your world right now? Uh, you know, just just uh, prom- uh, promoting this movie, Trick. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Halloween thriller, horror, <laughs> slasher. <laughs> no, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, people, if they're in the, like, horror and, like, that thriller aspect, I mm-hmm. think they'll have a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, this has been... Is this your first foray back into horror since Scream 2? Or have you done another horror? Because I, didn't, I looked yeah. at your resume. I didn't know if there was anything in there. I think this is, like, the first one. This is, like, the first full feature. Right, you know, right. 
And you get to actively be involved in this one. Like, you know, yeah. like you're, you're all through this and you're trying to track down this killer. Uh, what is it? Talk to me. What attracted you about doing this particular film and this horror film? Well, for me, everything starts with the script. Mm-hmm. And when I read the script, it was like, you know, like I said, it was thoroughly like suspenseful. It was entertaining. And then the opportunity to work with Patrick again, because mm-hmm. we worked together oh so long ago. Let me not age myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's a master at that genre. And, yeah. it, and it has some really cool twists and turns that you don't see coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we jumped in and uh, tried to make it happen. There's certainly some Halloween aspects to it all. I don't want to give away too much about the movie, but there is this feeling like this. This serial killer is almost unstoppable. Of course, there are a couple of twists in the movie as it goes along. You're like, oh, man, they yeah. feel very topical to our times as well. Did that speak yeah. to you too? Oh, definitely. And that that's something that was, it was there on the paper, mm-hmm. but it was, that was something that we kind of discovered through the process. Right. Um, those aspects. But it definitely is like, you know, knock on wood is like one of those potential Halloween, you know, because this killer comes back every Halloween. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you think this is something that could uh, could spark into a series, one of these more underground kind of Holly, uh, Halloween type series? I think it could. You know, yeah. if the people respond to it, it certainly yeah. could. Did you like that name, Mike Denver? You're like Mike Denver. Mike Denver sounds like a tough detective. <laughs> sounds like he chews tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> what was the shoot like for this one? How many days was it? Uh, the shoot was, I want to say, around 18 days or something like that. Okay. I can't really remember. It was, it was pretty grueling shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's talk yeah. about that. How was that for you? Because there's a lot of physical action in this yeah. movie that you do. A lot of physical action. We shot it up in uh, Newburgh, New York, which, okay. which was a very... I mean, it's a, it's a nice place, but it really has these spooky parts oh, really? <laughs> to it. Yeah, just oh, wow. the, the natural setting of it. And, uh, and I think it lent itself to like this other character mm-hmm. in the film. But, you know... The, the shoot was fun. Um, we had a lot of fun, um, you know, but all shoots are intense. Yeah. Because it's really hard to make a movie. Especially because a lot of these scenes occur at night. So yeah. I'm sure you're shooting like at two in the morning or three yeah. in the morning. So it yeah. kind of messes with your sleep cycle. Uh, are there any things you do to prep for a role like this that's a little more action heavy, a little more physically demanding on your body? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I try to stay in, in shape in mm-hmm. general. Um, some roles are more grueling than others. I mean, this one wasn't that much physical, but okay. it's it's more to what you just said. Like the sleep schedule thing is always, it's always weird. Like you know, mm-hmm. getting up at one in the morning to work. Right. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? It's right. just like naturally, not the human thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that you know that could be mentally challenging, but comes, so comes with the job. What about falling on the car? Was that was that tough for you? No, that wasn't me. That was a, <laughs> that's when we call in the professionals. That's right. Yeah. I'll do everything but jump out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. There's some fun stuff going on. Um, I want to ask you, what appeals to you about the horror genre? I, I know you've only done a couple or, or a few things in there, but there, is there something about the horror genre that like you enjoy? Because it's blowing up so big nowadays. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because we, Patrick was calling this kind of like a slasher noir. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's kind of like a, it's like a throwback to the old school slashers, but then it, the noir feel where there's this, the storytelling is a bit more elevated, it's a bit more cerebral. Like you yeah. see a lot of the horror movies now are really like, cerebral right you know right. psychological thrillers and uh-huh. and um so we wanted to play with sort of that that old school slasher thing mm-hmm. and it, it's they're entertaining when yeah. they're done well and they execute it well you know everyone loves a, a good jump scare yeah you know what i mean yeah. so um you know again i i hadn't done one um in so long and i hadn't played you know in the ones that i've done Died in the first two minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is a chance for this guy to live. So, As the black character sometimes does in these right. horror films. That was the big cliche yeah. for a long time. Um, another thing, you, you mentioned working with Patrick Lussier before, and I worked with him. What's different in the way you work with him this time? What did you discover about your relationship and your working relationship with him this time? Well, this time, I mean, Patrick is just really, um, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a master of what he does, and he's mm-hmm. really technical. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's it's almost like he's, editing the film as we're shooting oh wow you know so it's it's he's very specific about which shots and why and i think Mm -hmm. um that approach um lends itself to a smoother process because Mm -hmm. you don't get a lot of unnecessary shots like a lot of times you know directors they'll just shoot everything just to have it Mm -hmm. but he was really spot on like no we're gonna go from this to that and we need this and we Mm -hmm. need that so as an actor, that's kind of it, it makes the process smoother. Yeah, and I'm sure as an as an older actor, you uh, look at that and go, the economy of effort is what's important here, exactly. rather than extra extra stuff that you know is a, is a toll on you and a waste of time in the long run, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then also, you know, you just um, you feel like it, the the finished product is going to be 
better. Yeah. You know, because yeah. there's a there is a solid vision there. And mm-hmm. everyone has a different process. Don't get me wrong. Sure, sure. But that's that's what Patrick's process was. And um, it was cool. Did you have some input in the script or any changes to the character or that you play with Mike Denver? Yeah. I mean, there, there weren't there weren't any changes. It okay. was more about I mean, the big challenge was keeping it keeping the characters grounded. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we're dealing with this sort of surreal circumstance and things could go left pretty quickly in Mm -hmm. terms of your acting style. And it was just like important, not just for me, but for the whole cast, you know, Mm -hmm. we got to keep all the characters grounded so that the audience really invest emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. When Omar Epps gets a script and he accepts a role, what is your process in getting ready to play that role? Do you do a lot of like exploration about this kind of stuff? Do you kind of just draw on your own stuff? What happens when you get a script? Each project is different to be honest with you. With this one, you know, I mean, I've played uh, law enforcement before. Yes, you have. So it's just like I could could call back on that. And it's, it's really about building out the character, building mm-hmm. out the backstory for the character, and, and um, which are not necessarily boundaries, but it's just like every human being has a story. Mm-hmm. So you build out the story, and then, and then you go from there. And then, you know, and when you meet the character on page one, and then you just keep rocking. Right. Yeah. And you, are you still relying on the techniques you learned growing up as an actor? Like, in, you know, because you started early, like 10 years old, yeah. really figuring out you artistic and creative kind of guy. Yeah. Was that, does that stuff still come into play when you're doing roles like this? Or do you just have your own process now that you work on? Yeah, I mean, I, I have my own process. I mean, I still, I still, uh, I still use certain techniques mm-hmm. that are just sort of pillars of, of, my career yeah but i like to i'm a forward thinker so i like to discover new techniques as i'm going because i'm still growing as as a person as an artist as an actor right um and so i'll you know i'm i'm kind of open in that way and then again every every project is different every cast is different so the all the energies are different so i kind of try to be malleable to the process. Yeah. Yeah. Now, speaking of the cast, you work with two people. One, I want to speak on Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. He's, he's in enough of the movie. He's not in a lot of the movie, but he's in, certainly in enough of the movie. Right. Have you, have you, what was it like, like getting reacquainted with Jamie again? That was cool, man. Yeah. I mean, look, we're, we're still, we're still kicking around, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, so know. it was, it was fun. And yeah. uh, we, like you said, we didn't work that much together, right. but you know, if now I don't want to give anything away, but you know, and, in success, this, right, thing, right. this thing could uh, turn into something else. <laughs> yeah, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Oh, what was it like uh, working with uh, Christina Reyes? Because she really uh, stood out for me as I was watching the film. Obviously, yeah. you as well, Omar, but that's already established. But he, she plays Cheryl, kind of the, one of the main people in the movie, main teenagers in the movie. Um, she was fantastic. Do yeah. you think, like, you, you've been doing this for a while now. Does she have that spark, that extra spark yeah, definitely. to maybe get here and be a lifer in this business? Yeah, she was awesome. I, I really enjoyed working with her and, and watching her work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she, I, I thought she really did her thing. Mm-hmm. I thought she really did her thing. And, it's, you know, her character is sort of the, the, the innocence yeah. of the story, yeah, if you will. Yeah. And when innocence gets tarnished, you know, how mm-hmm. does someone deal with that? Yeah, when she when she discovers what happens to one of her family members again, you don't want to give anything away. Right, that's one of the most. I mean, that's an incredible acting moment that you have yeah. in a film that doesn't necessarily always in a genre doesn't always necessarily lead to an emotional scene like that. But right. certainly, she kind of nailed it there. Yeah, she definitely nailed it. Yeah. And and a beat like that, you know, that's to me kind of the magic sauce of the film is mm-hmm. that it's not just you know jump scares and like gore. It's like these you know heartfelt emotional moments that yeah. just come to you out of nowhere and it's like whoa it yeah. kind of grabs your heart and then you know you're back on the roller coaster yeah what, what, what's a crazy story for you from the shoot like is there anything crazy that happened it was a pretty chill shoot no i mean like i said this the the shoot was grueling as every shoot is mm-hmm. and it was just um did y'all wander out into those scary areas just to see if there's anything not nah, really <laughs> <laughs> not really we kind of kept the set tight and uh fair enough but it was you know everybody had to bring their a game because you know mm-hmm. it was physically intense and there was a lot of um you know stunts and mm-hmm. things of that nature and so we just had to keep a, a tight unit yeah. yeah you work with a female uh policeman policewoman on the on the film as well yeah. she's one of the other main i'm sorry i don't have her name in front of me but she was Ellen. Ellen, yes. Yeah, fantastic yeah. as well. What was your chemistry like? Did you guys work a lot off set or did you just kind of develop it as you were going along uh, shooting the scenes? Yeah, yeah. We spoke We spoke prior um, and she was great. Mm-hmm. I thought she was great and we kind of um, built out our, the backstory of our characters. Nice. Um, and then, you know, the fun part was, uh, you know, most of the film is, is happening in in the present. So the, the thing is to live in the moment, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and take it as it comes. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. When you look at something like, are you, a, are you a horror guy? Do you like horror? Like, do you, do I like horror. Yeah. yeah. You do a good one. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. You know, you, know you mean? don't always devolve in those things. Uh, what do you think about what's that? Do you have some favorites that have recently popped up and are you a Halloween guy as well? 
I'm, I'm, I'm Halloween like the average person. I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. Um, recent ones would prop that stand out. We're not so recent, mm-hmm. but like Paranormal Activity, yeah, and like Blair Witch. Uh-huh. I thought those were really cool. Did this give you a taste for wanting to walk back into the genre again for another horror film? Maybe. Yeah. 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 Because right. it's it's it's. It, I mean, it, making it is fun right. if it's if it's good. But for me, it's like the, seeing the reaction. Yeah. You know, because I got to go to a screening and see it with an audience. And that was just so fun for me because people were just jumping and shouting and yelling at the screen. Right. Yeah. There's a great twist at the end. Of course, I'm not going to ruin it. But I thought I thought when the twist happened, I'm like, yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. It makes so much sense for what's going on in our world. Yeah. And our cultures recently. So, yeah. I'm just, oh, this is. That's what made me want to do the movie. Yeah. So we can't give it away. But right. to me, that was just totally fresh and unique and like totally you don't see that coming. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's out now uh, as you're listening to us. So oh, so if you want to go uh, see it in theaters, you should. It's called Trick. Uh, it's also available on vid- on demand and on digital. Um, but, you know, that's not where we stop this conversation. I also want to get into talk about your career a little bit more. And maybe yeah. we'll cycle back to Trick as we talk about this. Um, you got started with Juice. That's the mm-hmm. film that, I mean, I remember watching that, you know, in the theater going, what is this? You know, mm-hmm. as a kid growing up in uh, Virginia, that uh, idea of the inner cities and what happens between young kids in the inner cities and the pressures on them. And then Tupac's character and your character of Q, that's the relationship of the movie, right? Kind mm-hmm. of the uh, good and the bad, uh, so to speak, throughout. What was that as a young actor looking back now? Because we just had, it's like a couple of years ago, it was the 25th anniversary of that film. Yeah. What was it like for, is it like for you to, like, to look back on that film and the experience now as an older uh, person? It's great. It's yeah. great. I think, I think the film um, has stood the test of time. Absolutely. It's really exciting to see, like, um, I don't, know the generation acronym but like mm. 15 to like 19 year olds mm-hmm. seem to be like discovering it now and that's yeah it's making a comeback it's yeah, kind yeah. of making a comeback yeah. and, and obviously you know because you know tupac was, was a legend and he was in it and it, right. that was his first film as well but you know i have great memories of of um of that film and you know 17 when yeah I did, you know and uh someone asked me yesterday you know did we feel like um we were making something special and it was like you know for me it's like half I mean, it was my first film, so I had no knowledge. My naivete, you know, shielded me from <laughs> the realities of how hard it is to have a successful film. Right. But the the creative part of me, I felt like we were making something special because I was like this. I could relate. I felt like it was like mm-hmm. my life. Like I, I lived parts of this. Oh, wow. I would want to see this. You right. know what I mean? And, and then when I think back bigger than just Juice, you got, you know, Boys in the Hood. You got Menace to Society. Right. Those were kind of like the three. South Central as South well. South Central, kind of like, like yeah, these yeah. films that were coming out that mm-hmm. was sort of about, um, you know, that that teenage angst, mm-hmm. the, you know, socioeconomic things dealing with urban communities. And, yeah. and you know, for, for Juice, you know, we had that twist with uh, Q was a DJ. So that was fun as well. Yeah. You know, and yeah. think about hip hop as a culture exploding at that time. Mm-hmm. It was a magical time. Still one of the best soundtracks. Oh, yeah. Ever. Uptown Anthem is still on my workout mix. Yeah. I love that song. <laughs> that song still works. So all of it uh, that I really enjoyed so much throughout, throughout Juice. Uh, any fun? Any funny story? Maybe you've never told about working with Tupac, like because you guys have similar backgrounds in that you both got into the arts at young ages yeah. and kind of found yourselves uh, as doing this role, uh, these roles in, in uh, Juice. Yeah, I mean, uh, not so much. I wouldn't say uh, funny stories because mm. this, you know, we filmed that up in Harlem. This is the old old Harlem, <laughs> not, not the gentrified. Fair enough. You know what Fair I mean? Fair enough. Yeah, man. So it was, you know, it was intense. I mean, you know, things would happen. We were filming in certain neighborhoods where, you know. Wow, people are doing their thing. So, you know, we just had to roll with the punches mm-hmm. and uh, and put it together. But you know, for me, one of my good memories is is um, seeing Tupac's process. So, like a lot of times, like at lunch, he would call me into his trailer because this is when he was recording his first album. Wow! And so he so was he like, wasn't even Tupac. Tupac. No, 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 no. He was Tupac still with Digital Underground. Tupac. He was Tupac still with Digital oh, Underground. And if you you know you might have seen the video right, back right, then, right, like. Right. A lot of people didn't know who he was. Right. So he was, he was, um, he called me into the trailer and he was like, you know, rapping the song. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Wow. And then um, I remember one day um, he was reading a newspaper and uh, a, a woman had thrown her baby in the incinerator. Oh, man. And that's horrible. But as a New Yorker growing up, that was no, like you would hear stuff like that. Wow. Like all the time. Right, right, right. So he was so affected. And I was like, man, that happens every day. And he was just, and so that day calls me into the trailer. And he's like rapping this song, and I'm like, 
listening. I'm like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. And then like a few months later, oh shit, after his first uh, album comes out, and yeah. I see the Brenda's Got a Baby video, yeah, man, I'm like, oh wow, like <laughs> I was so blown away to see that, you know, that that process, and that's you know that moment struck me. I was like, oh, this dude is special. He's, yeah, he's got some genius with him. Yeah, you could sense it even back then. Even back then, right? Yeah. yeah. Did you guys keep in contact afterwards, or just kind of occasionally see each other, things like that? Yeah, yeah. Occasionally, see, we kept in contact for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. You know, his career took off, my career took off, yeah. and then, um, you know, we're growing up, we're on different coasts and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But I did, I saw, I saw him the night that he got shot. What? Yeah. So that was crazy. Wow. Yeah. What was that? We were, we went to the fight too. I was with a couple of my friends, right in Vegas at the MGM, right? at the MGM, okay. and we, we were actually staying at the same hotel. Which we didn't know at the time, but right. so we pulled up after the fight, and you know, there was a bunch of guys out there, and I saw them, and wow. we hugged, and we were like, hey, you know, let's, right. let's get up, and blah, blah, right. blah, blah. And then me and my friends went upstairs, and then when we went to leave, it, the, the strip was shut down, because I guess the right. shooting had already happened, right. which we didn't know either. Yeah. So we were like, man, all right, let's go back upstairs, order some food, and whatever. Right. And then, uh, like, man, like four o'clock that morning, one of my friends knocked on the door and was just like, man, Tupac got shot. Wow. And I remember we all paused. And then we went, oh, he'll be all right. He's yeah, because he, like, yeah, he was like Superman. Yeah. You could shoot Tupac and he would just come back to life again. Yeah, man. No, it was it was, we didn't know how serious it was until, yeah. you know, a couple hours later. So, right. But I'm glad I got to see him before. You know? It must have been heartbreaking, yeah, too, because haven't seen him just before, and then you know, because yeah. I mean, now and I saw that movie they did on, which I thought was okay, the Tupac movie, the biography that they did on him, but mm-hmm. like to strip away all the stuff that went around, like that guy still endures because of there was a vulnerability to him and a heart to him that mm-hmm. a lot of people connect to, no matter what uh, socio political uh, 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 group you belong to. Right. There was something about the authenticity in his work. You oh know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and because Tupac was honest, you yeah. know, and he was honest in his artistry. And you know, it's it's really interesting to see how things have evolved um, in the entertainment industry, you know, there was no social media back mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. and there was that instant connectivity didn't exist. Right. And so a lot of things were curated. And so, you know, a lot of what Pac was, was, um, talking about or challenging was the curation yeah. of things. Right. Yeah. It's just like, well, you're, you know, this group is telling, telling that group what's cool. And it's like, but that's not what we want to, here. Right, right. We want to hear this and we want to hear that. And so it was like, it's just, when I think about it now, it's just interesting that time that we came up in because it was sort of a changing of the guard. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. And he was a big part of that. Yeah, and you, I mean, I don't think we have Kanye if you don't have Tupac. Exactly. Like, Tupac was the one that was like stripping away exactly. stuff. Yeah, he'd have his fun, you know, like talking about women and t- doing all those kinds of things and living the thug life. But there were other tracks that really showed you his heart. And so you see, like, Brenda's having a baby, you know. Or uh, even like, like Dear Mama. Yeah, Dear Mama, which is incredible. Like, you, before then, no one... Yeah, had, it was rapping about their mom. No, yeah. or no, it's not only just not rapping about their mom. No one admitted, like, yeah, my mom was on drugs. Oh, right, yeah. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Like, I love you. You're still a queen. Like, right. no one had, had in, at least in hip-hop, no one had um, harnessed that dichotomy. Mm-hmm. You know, because the key word you just said before is vulnerability. He, yeah. he was vulnerable, but yeah, I'm hard, I'm a gangster, but... I hurt too. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, I have pain right. too. And, and I think he ushered in uh, um, an era of not only like, you know, um, Kanye, but like, you know, Kid Cudi and like, you know, all these guys that are coming up really yeah. bearing, bearing their souls in the music. And that's what all great music is. That harkens back to you go back to like Marvin Gaye's and people mm-hmm. like that. You know? Right. Marvin Gaye singing about uh, the inner cities and what's going on, you know, uh, exactly. all that. There's just like, oh, wait, this is happening? Right. And the movie, like Juice, all those movies kind of showed, you know, because once again, kid growing up in Virginia, I didn't know, as much as I was close to D.C., right. I didn't know what was happening in these other cities and what was going on. And you see that and it's like, Ernest Dickerson did such a great job in that movie, like just oh, yeah. kind of showing you the hardness of that life and how scary that life can be. Yeah. You know? and how And how, you know, you know, one decision can can change your whole life, yeah. you know, because these were all, you know, the beauty of looking back at it now is like, you know, you see all of them at at, at home, mm-hmm. like they're kids, right? They're literally kids, you know, they're kissing their mom by and, and yeah. they all leave the house and this one day and this one thing happens that affects all of them, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. just, you know, so I thought he did that very eloquently. Um, Ernest mm-hmm. Dickinson, you know, the, the way that he portrayed that. Another great director you work with was John Singleton, and yeah. it's another film that has uh, some, uh, that still has resonance today, I feel like. Even 
which is insane even more so. Higher learning, yeah. uh, the work you did on higher learning. I mean, the Michael Rappaport character, which is, was a bit fantastical back then, you know, this idea of a skinhead off the top, right. now seems even more relevant as you see this happening. Does it blow your mind to see how higher learning is still like kind of in play today and topical? It does and it doesn't. It, it mm. does because it, it is kind of like it, it would blow anyone away that, you know, what, 20-something years later, like, was still dealing with this as a society right. in America. And it doesn't because John Singleton was a genius. Yeah. Like, and I knew that then. Like, he, he was meticulous and he was, mm-hmm. um, he was uh, intent on everything. He had an intent behind everything. Mm-hmm. You know, everything on this set had a meaning. You know, and every color, every picture, every, you know, sound that you hear in the movie, it has to be this song at that point. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, it's kind of like, Every now and then you'll work on a project where you f- we feel like the this what's being said is bigger than the parts. Yeah. And that was one of those sets, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, you know, it's not only dealing with racism, we was dealing with sexism, with, yeah. you know, on college campuses and de- like all of these things that um yeah, I mean, you know, you think about it now, it's just like, wow, man, like it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. When you speak about John Simpson being a genius, is there a lesson or lessons you took from working with him? Because he's coming off of Boys in the Hood. Yeah. And so it must have excited you to be cast in this role Absolutely. and carry this film in essence. Yeah. Um, was there anything you learned from working with him that you've taken into other things in your career? Oh, for sure. And just, um, uh, you know, like I just mentioned, him being meticulous. Mm. I mean, we would all like to think that we are, but he... he um, he was trying to say something, you know, he wasn't just trying to make movies. Yeah. You know, he was trying to make movies and inform at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a powerful thing. I think that that's really hard to accomplish. Yeah. And then have, you know, the, the, the financial success where the investors get their money back and then right. you can go on and continue your career. Right. You know, it's really hard to do. Spike is one of those rare ones. Spike is one of the rare ones. Right. You know He's going to do that. Yeah. And you know you had Spike, you had John, and yeah. and so for you know that was one of the things that that I took like you know it's it's a, a you know no pun intended it's a higher road <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> right right but right. It, it's a road worth traveling you yeah because at the end of the day I think like art is what keeps us alive as 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 the human culture mm-hmm. art is sort of where we um, where we strip away our differences and and i mean all forms of art whether it's a painting whether it's a song whether it's a film or television show it's like kind of where you know all of the prejudices and bigotry sort of go away and we can all hone in on this one thing Mm -hmm. as a human race right you know and hopefully gain something do you feel like do you think because i mean obviously you seem like a pretty grounded cerebral guy have you always been this kind of more chill approach to the world, more like kind of observant approach to the world? And do you think that's what what kind of motivated Ernest and John to cast you in these roles because you have to carry so much weight in both of these roles? Or did you just find yourself attracted to these kinds of roles rather than the more kind of throwaway roles that sometimes can be offered to actors coming up? That's interesting. Well, I, I did find myself attracted to those roles. And for me, yeah, I kind of am a, an observer. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of don't talk much and yeah i can sense that about you you know yeah when i talk hopefully i'm i'm saying something Mm -hmm. worth hearing (laughs) you know but um you know i I don't know you know what made them want to cast me in those roles but you know because i I kind of take a different approach to every role Mm because every role is different yeah and then maybe there is that thing that every actor sort of there's maybe there's that one thread that that quality that you that just draws you to that actor yeah you know um, so I don't know. That's a that's a good question. No, it's awesome because like when you were coming up, we had Wesley and Denzel. And we had, but there was, but you all carved your niche as a younger actor into these more weightier roles that a lot of young actors weren't doing at that time. So, yeah. or maybe didn't have the opportunity because right. there probably wasn't a lot of that material. So, right. to make your name off these films the way you did at the beginning, yeah. you know, really kind of was a, a, a great thing for you to do starting yeah. out. Yeah. I'm definitely fortunate, man. Yeah, fortunate. yeah, yeah. Well, let's move on to uh, this other film, of yours that I know is one of my favorites. And oh wait, I want to say one last thing. That ending 
still resonates so powerfully for me, man. What happens to your character and his girlfriend in higher, uh, learning. In higher learning? And I watched it again randomly a few, a couple of months ago, just right. randomly, late at night or some channels it was on. And I was like, oh, let's see if this still holds up because I hadn't seen it in a bit. And right. the last forty-five minutes, I'm just like, man, this is a crazy film. And then your reaction, what happened, is so devastating. I found myself getting like crying, emotional because I'm like, there's so much honesty in that moment. So much honesty. Can you remember what that? Like what you had to do to get there and how yeah. many takes did you do with John for that? I don't remember how many takes okay. we did, but I remember a lot of that film because it was an intense um it was an intense film shoot. Yeah. And I remember um you know what's funny? I, I spoke to Mike Rappaport a few months ago and we <laughs> and we were reminiscing about it. Right. And he told me something that I never knew and he was like, you know, I felt really he, he said he felt really lonely on the set. Oh, and I was wow. like, You did? And he was like, Cause John had sequestered him from the rest of the cast. Oh, and I was purpose. like, he did? And he was like, yeah, man. He said, don't hang out with those guys. You know, stay over here. And I was just like, man, I didn't even know that when wow. we were filming it. Wow. But, you know, again, that goes to John's genius, yeah. like, you know, to help him get into that isolated space, mm-hmm. you know, don't hang out with the rest of the cast. And meanwhile, we're all over here sort of commiserating. And yeah. and you and then when you look at the performance, you see that play through, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and then even that, going going back to the end of the film, you know, Look at these school shootings. It's just like, man, it's, it just blows your mind. You right. Know? And it was just it's sad that we're at this point where, you know, I would like to hope that we don't let ourselves become desensitized and we don't let that type of behavior become normalized in our society. Yeah. You know, because we 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 can't continue on like this. Mm-hmm. We can't be. It's know, not sustainable. It's not sustainable. That's for sure. I remember when I was a kid, it was just like. You heard about something like that every once in a while. Like, I remember seeing, like, on the news, there was some shooter at a Texas college or right. something like that. Occasionally. It was, like, yeah, once right. every 15 years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, man, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I'm scared that people are becoming desensitized. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, hopefully we can go the other way with that. Yeah, you, it must carry special resonance with you as you when you hear about a school shooting because you because of being in higher learning. Like yeah. the, the connection there must carry some weight to. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to something a little more uh, uh, positive. That's love and basketball, man. <laughs> yeah. This is this is a film that people still cite as uh, changing the genre so much, showing this idea of uh, a, a black man and a black woman, in, you know, uh, competing in a way, but also trying to figure out their relationship as they go along in this. This was kind of rarely done right. in films. So once again, here's another film where you're kind of trailblazing in a way by showing something uh, that wasn't uh, seen that much I- at the time. Right. Um, what's your experience? What's your thoughts about that movie? Now, we're coming up on the 20-year anniversary of that film. What's, the, what's your film? What's your thoughts about it it's now? A, it's a great – it was a great film. You know, I thought that you know, it, it had that magical quality in the storytelling. Gina mm. Prince Blywood did a great job of writing that script, mm. and she directed the film. That it's that fairy tale love story that, you know, two people can basically grow up together, know each other, mm-hmm. you know, maybe date a little, go their separate ways, right. date other people, and then come back together <laughs> and live happily ever after. Right? right? It's right. kind of like that fairy tale um, love that I guess everyone wants to sort of believe in. And I think, um, you know, when we were doing the film, what I really liked about it at first was that you know the the female was the one who went on to be successful yeah in that wasn't done in the basketball right, right, that, right. i really liked that back yeah. then i was yeah. like wow that's a that's a you know because i come from a single parent household mm-hmm. with you know i have a great mother and so i adore women in that way and, yeah. and seeing you know like you said a black woman and i don't want to say power position but just being becoming successful right. and and the guy sort of held down the family aspect, I thought that was a, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, it busted the um, stereotype right. of that relationship, right? right? And for so many reasons, uh, and of course, it works uh, universally. Right. This idea, you know, of women versus men, what's expected of both genders and in roles that they have to play in a relationship, and it's like this is like 2000, I think, when the film came out, and so yeah. you have this i like this beginning of the breaking of the yeah it was, the, it was the beginning yeah right and like, she dealt with a lot of stuff Ooh. in there even with the 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 relationship between sanaa's character and her mom yes. so, you know and then you're dealing with 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 my character and his father mm-hmm. and breaking up with the like it was just so many little nuances of yeah. of 
of experiences that people have, you yeah. know, and, and, um, again, that's another one, like this younger generation is like discovering, again? rediscovering, yep. you know what I mean? So yeah. it's pretty cool. It, it, that stood the test of time as well. What's, what's old is new again. That's yeah. the way it works. And, and this is certainly, uh, it's great to see people come out. Cause I think because as we're starting to see more, uh, um, uh, pieces of film from the African American community, from the black community, mm-hmm. they're going back to look at the, uh, building blocks right. that allowed this, all to happen and began the idea of uh, expanding the genre even more to include more stories that are universal yet specific. Right. You know, certainly right. love and basketball is one of that. Are you excited seeing uh, Sanaa's kind of resurgence now? And there was a while where she was kind of struggling to get these roles and now you're seeing her work even more. Uh, yeah. Does it excite you at all? Yeah, I think it's great. I think all the, the actors and actresses from our generation, mm. you know, it's, it's like, you know, you act forever. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, right. You know, Morgan Freeman didn't really pop until he was, you know, 50s, 60s. Yeah, so, right. you know, it's a grind, but um, I'm, I'm always happy to see my peers working. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great to see her. Also, and you, like you said, you mentioned Gina Prince. Uh, but now there's been a lot of talk about her. That was, she was going to be uh, uh, doing a, uh, one of the Spider-Verse movies right. here. So this is fascinating to see her expanding her uh, uh, repertoire. And here's another director that you've worked with well, that has this kind of reputation, you know, and yeah. this kind of like... Uh, 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 I don't know, just a rep, just I don't know, just reputation and feeling in Hollywood that she can take on and move into this genre. Yeah, I mean, right? when you see the and when you see the new generation, they're killing it, man. Mm. Whether it's you know Lena Waithe or Ava DuVernay or Barry Jenkins, or there's just yeah so many storytellers and that are doing it in their own ways. And I think we're at a point now where you can, you know, you can you can have success with a film like you know, Moonlight, mm-hmm. you know what right. I mean? Oh like God. Yeah. tell a story like that, that speaks to, to mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, storytelling is a universal thing. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. So we are this human race, but we are kind of tribal, right? Like if mm-hmm. you come from Virginia and I come right. from New York, right. You know, Virginia stuff. I know New York stuff, right. You know, so there's, there's room for all of it. Mm-hmm. There's room for, you to tell your story, me to tell my story, and then for us to come together and try to understand, you know, right. not so much our differences, but like what are our unique qualities? Mm-hmm. What makes you you? What makes me me? Right. Oh, and then we find the common ground, and it's like then life presents us, presents us with things that we have to experience together. Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. this is the type of thing where it's like when you think about, and not to get too super deep, but like when you think about well, a it's climate. it's called the deep cut. You can get to right. <laughs> When you think about something like climate change, yeah. it's just like, hey, guys, you know, your political, you know, things don't matter. Your socioeconomic things don't matter. This is something we all got to deal with. Right. Like we, you know what I mean? Right. As, a, as a human body, as a human family, we got to figure this out. Yeah, that earthquake, that wave isn't going to pick only certain people to hit. Exactly. It's going to hit everybody. It's got to hit everybody. Right. So, right. you know, these are the type of things that um, I think, you know, art helps sometimes to push certain conversations, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. people see it and they could live vicariously and then take it back into their own lives. Yeah. Yeah. The wood. Now this is a film that really even, even more so than any films before it seemed to change you or push you as an actor. Was there something about that film at that time in your life that kind of like, uh, I don't know, just kind of, uh, you came out of it as a different person or am I reading into that performance a little bit? Oh, that's interesting. I, I don't know. I think, uh, well, the wood, that's when I first relocated from, from New York to L.A. Oh, wow. Okay. So I was like within that first year. So I was just getting my L.A. feet underneath me. Right. And um, I had a great time working on that film as well with Rick Famuyiwa and sort of that, that, that coming of the age, age story. Mm-hmm. That's like that's a forever thing. It's like for the rest of time, there's going to be like a group of kids that yeah. grow up on the same block. Right. And this one ends up that way. And this one ends up that way. And it, so it was, it was what was fun about that was like you know, being the mature, the young man. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas like in Juice, we were like literally teenagers. Yeah. But these guys in the wood were like, okay, we're, you know, our boys getting married. We were sort of on, on the other end of that. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was fun. That was fun to do that film. Yeah. How, how was Rick to work with? I mean, he's another one. He had the flash situation that was possibly going to happen and didn't end up happening, but yeah. certainly has a reputation and name for himself now off of that film and dope. And so, dope. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it? I it was, mean, Rick was great. His first man. film, right? I think that was, the uh, wood was the, the wood first, was his first yeah. film. Yeah. Rick, Rick was great to work with, man. That was, that was, um, 
that was a fun set, mm-hmm. you know, because that was a that was one of those things where it was just like a fun time. Everyone's young, everyone's yeah. everything's new to everyone. <laughs> you right, know what I mean? Right. But we're you know everyone's working and we're supporting one another. That's what I really um, like about that time period back then was mm-hmm. everyone was really supportive of one another, and I mm-hmm. and I just mean across the board, not just like actors. I mean like musicians and just mm-hmm. just like you know, for me, it's like being a part of hip hop culture. It was like it was just starting to really explode into yeah. like that next golden age yeah and so you'd run into people at, at you know restaurants or at clubs and everyone just kind of showed love man mm-hmm. you know keep pushing keep doing your thing and and we felt that type of vibe on the set of the wood you know right yeah there was a supportive nature to the community because everyone they're trying to uplift everybody because exactly. it helped everyone else to see more and more work and positive uh, uh work out of that community i would exactly. imagine right yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping, you know, on, on the Latin side, I'm hoping we catch up at some point down the road, you know, because we're starting to get a little more stuff going and, and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens yeah. for our community as filmmakers and creators and actors as well as we come up behind the black community because obviously, you know, there's been so many incredible work that's come out of the black community that is, as you said, specific, Virginia, New York, specific experiences, but universal stuff that we all have to go through no matter where we're from. Yeah. Seem to, that seems to be such I always a wonder. Why in in at least in in the American entertainment, mm. you know, why there aren't more Latino filmmakers, yeah. actors? Because I know I know you know there's Latin America and right, like right, right. over there, but yeah, it, you know, a lot of those artists are trying to make it mm-hmm. here, and I always kind of wonder, like, you know, why? Yeah, <laughs> like just make it bigger there, you know, and right. why don't some of the American born Latino or Latina actors go down you know, there. Go, that, go uh, down there. It's a great point. You know, that's a great point. That does occasionally happen. Uh, some actors do kind of find their way down there to work. Uh, Vergara has done that. A number right. of people have come back. But she's an anomaly, work. right? So right. She's, she is in a, on so many ways. Yeah, <laughs> she's an anomaly. But there should be like a hundred of her. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Because it's it's you know, Latino culture is is so big. It and is have their own countries here and there and mm-hmm. and. So that's something I, I wonder about because it's it's like it's interesting to, to, when you said uh, to come behind the black mm. community. And I'm like, man, we we got a long way to go, <laughs> yeah, you well, know. So it's right. just like, and then no, you sure. then you think about other cultures like mm-hmm. Asian culture, and it's just like, right. You know, hopefully we're at a point where those walls are are being broken down. Yeah, and I think I think it's been the black community and black filmmakers, black actors, creators that have pushed those walls down so that other people of color can come from come behind and have an easier. It's almost like the firstborn, right, has to take all the hits. (laughs) Right, right. Kind of pave the way for for his brothers and sisters to come behind, or or you know, Um, I'm moving on to this other film because this is a personal favorite of mine, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't believe you were working with this actor, but I got to talk about brother. Mm. Beat Takeshi or Takeshi Katano, whatever yep. he wants to call himself. Like, he is one of my favorite uh, actors for his ruthless and brutal films that he's done, and also the sentimental nature of his films within all the chaos and the violence yeah. of this. And then to be, this was, I think, his first American based film yeah. that he did. Did you know about him before you worked with him, or was were you discovering him as you went along in the yeah, movie? Yeah, no, I, I I was unfamiliar with his work, mm. and they were like, yeah, you know, <laughs> this guy's like the Oliver Stone of yeah. Japan, or you know, and um, and it, that was a a, a really unique um, experience, mm. and I, which I loved. You know, I read the script, totally got it. I was like, I dig this. This is different. This yeah. is you know, and so I meet this guy, and he's like, you know. Takeshi Kitano is like larger than life. Yeah. You know, doesn't speak English, has the translator, has the person holding the ashtray for the cigarette, which is literally all they did. Wow. They just stood there. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, Wait. And, you know, and he had his crew. Yeah. His guys. And, and, and he didn't do, he didn't do takes. And he really didn't do a lot of angles. Wow. Right. So it was just like, it almost felt like we were doing a play. Mm. He didn't like a lot of t- like it was just like we got it, and so that for me was like because I come from originally from from the stage, mm-hmm. and that was just like a refreshing experience and and like to again like we 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 spoke through the art. Yeah, like I don't speak his language, he doesn't speak my language, right. but when we look into one another's eyes, 
we could it, we could emote. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and um, that was just a really really cool experience. It must have been for you too, because like. This is a, an, I mean, the Yakuza and the yeah. inner city of LA, like combining those two into something yeah. must have blown your mind. Like, how did that come about? Like, did you hear, did your agent get you into this or did he reach out to you? Like, how did you get on the film? Yeah, I think it was, a, it was one of, you know, the agent thing, you know, there's this film and, and I want to, I want to say I auditioned for that. Um, okay. So it wasn't a straight offer. You had to audition. I think did so. Did you audition I could, for him? I, I don't think I auditioned for him. I okay. think I went on tape. Oh, I could be wrong, though, okay, okay. but I think I might have went on tape for that, and um, and I booked the gig, right? And then we just got into it, and it's just like after the first day, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be fun," <laughs> you know, because yeah. it, it was it was a cool film, you know, and he was taking a shot, you know, trying to mm-hmm. break into the American market, but he's. You know, he's like a legend over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His films are something like I remember when I started uh, collecting his films. You, you had to go to certain people to find those films, pay a hundred dollars right. for a DVD <laughs> of his stuff. Right. It was incredible, but yeah. like it was worth it to discover because he also came along when the '90s were more wide open to show these foreign language films right. that were more of the underground gangster or violent films like Battle Royale or mm. or Sonatine, things of that nature. So it was incredible to discover him. So when he did an American, I was like, oh shit! And Omar Epson, oh shit! I gotta watch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I was like blown away by the overall experience of watching that movie because it's such an unusual film, as you said. Because yeah. he uses pauses and gaps in that film and no sound. Yeah, in no moments sound. So just let you savor what's happening or stay on edge about what's going to happen. And so, then yeah. the characters bond at yes. the end of the film. Yeah. So that's, I thought it ended beautifully. I thought that, you know, if it had been more financial, I was like, I was looking forward to a brother too. Mm-hmm, I was, mm-hmm. Or the second brother, whatever they're going to call it. But I was looking forward to seeing what the sequel would have been like. Uh, you, you obviously made your name on TV. TV as well with mm-hmm. ER and House and Shooter. I have to ask you about uh, uh, House because Hugh Laurie, uh, as a fan, I've been a fan of Hugh Laurie from his British comedies. Mm-hmm. Did you know? And once again, he's in a situation where uh, you know an actor from another country. Did you know enough about Hugh Laurie's British stuff or any of that stuff, or did you just kind of walk into the situation and and, and do the film? I knew the show. I knew some of his British stuff. Okay. I didn't know how big it was over there. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but yeah, man, we 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 met. Uh, we actually did the uh what they call a network test together so it's like you know it's a stage of the auditioning process where Mm -hmm. you sort of you read for the net for the executives right and uh, and so the first time you and i ever met um he remembers his story if he hears this uh we walk up they put us like in a we were like in a copy room like a xerox room what right (laughs) and i'm standing there he's hey how you doing nice to meet you blah 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 And we kind of have a similar process. And, and so, like, I'm not big on um, rehearsing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like to find it in the moment. And so is he. But we don't know that. So I'm like, hey, do you, you know, do you, you want to read over the stuff? He right. was like, no, I'm good. Do you? I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and then we just go in a room and the magic of house informant happens. Wow. You know, we both, yeah. I think we both crushed it. And that, you know... That was just so fun, man. House was just, you know, David Shaw created the show as mm-hmm. a friend of mine. And it was just really uh, mind-blowing to read the script every week. And it's great. Yeah. It, like, never lagged. And it was never like, okay, this has become a routine. It was right. just always a challenge. And, um, and, and it's interesting, you know, House was sort of the last of the Mohicans in the sense that, you know, this was the advent of TiVo. Like the first year the house right. aired, there was no TiVo. Right. So all of that, the the way that, you know, there was no digital. There's right. no, so it was just like the last of like, oh, you got to turn on, you know, channel 11 at this time. It's appointment TV. Appointment yeah, TV, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, just to see how the, while we were in the minutia of mm-hmm. that, how the industry was shifting and changing. I remember like, you know, the third year they were like, what are L3s? What, what are, <laughs> You know, what does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> it was right. just like, oh, there's 20% more audience to count. Right. You know, because people are watching after because they're yeah. taping and, and just all that jazz around it. But creatively, it was, a, it was an amazing uh, run. Did you get more recognized after House? Like, well, how, what was that? Pro- did, did you find yourself in another strata oh, of yeah, for sure. fame? Because it was a worldwide thing. Right, right. You know, there was a stretch there where House was like the number one show in the world. Yeah, no surprise. You okay, know, yeah, so yeah. that, you know, that's kind of like... The, and playing by the old rules, that's mm-hmm. kind of why you did TV because it was, 
accessible everywhere. Yeah. You didn't have to just, you know, get people to come to a theater. But people, I mean, people love that show to this day, mm-hmm. worldwide. People, oh, Dr. House, Dr. House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my girlfriend was... loves that show. She she, she, puts, she puts it on as background noise sometimes when we're at the house because she's a massive fan wow. of British stuff. Right. So she's a fan of Hugh Laurie. So seeing him do an American accent and right. all the stuff that goes on, the cantankerous nature of him, she yeah. loves that shit. You know? it was, and he was like the – we hadn't seen that on television. No. It, like He was sort of like the anti-hero hero. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was just like a guy who was a curmudgeon and – was just you know kind of harsh but he gave you the truth yeah you know and that's i think that that's the thing you know as a credit to david shore and the writers it's like he always gave you the truth and i think you know that's where the audience accepted his rules because they know he was just giving it to you straight so you know would you rather have somebody blow smoke up your ass or just tell you the the plain and simple truth you know and i think that resonated so what was it like for you to decide to go into TV? Because you've been establishing yourself in feature film. Were you concerned about going into TV, or were you excited about jumping into this situation? No, I was excited about okay. it. Because at that point in my career, I kind of felt like, um, not, not I didn't hit the ceiling, you know, in, in right. terms of doing features. I just felt like I needed to make a shift. The material wasn't there for you that you were hoping to get. Yeah, right? is that, yeah. Is that it, fair it, to say? It's, okay. That's fair to say. And, okay. I, and I, but I also felt like I needed to to do something different. I yeah. needed to do something that no one saw coming and at the point in my career when i did have no one saw that coming right and then no one thought it was going to be a hit show right like you know no one did because nobody knew who hugh laurie was right really in the american uh, market right the right. british people obviously knew him but like nobody really knew who hugh laurie was so you're like you, you're gonna make this happen how's this gonna work nobody knows. and then it, the great cast you know? great cast and great writing and um you know great marketing mm-hmm. and i was you know Katie Jacobs, who was one of the other EPs on the show, she remembers me saying this when we were doing the pilot for House. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be a hit show. Wow. And she was looking at me like, who's this guy talking about? And I'm like, I'm telling you, this is going to be a hit. Because I could feel the magic. I could right. feel the synergy between myself, Jennifer, Jesse, like, and how Hugh was doing his thing. I just mm-hmm. felt like, and this character is going to break through. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. I mean, I mean, you've been on other projects that you, that were successful. So yeah. that energy, you know, you probably can sense it when it's happening. And certainly it's a positive. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Sometimes right. it, it, you don't know what's going to happen in it. Right. And it does well. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, when you're in school back in the days and you think you aced the test and you fail it. <laughs> or an and, audition. Or you right. walk out of audition, you're like, oh, I nailed that. Yeah. And you don't book it. I never, what for happened? me with auditions, I never... It, I, I got to get the job because mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what I feel. Oh, fair enough. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it, it doesn't matter how you feel. Sometimes you can feel like you killed it and yeah. you don't get it. And and then there's so many other variables that go into the casting process oh, yeah. and blah, 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 blah. That had nothing to do with you as, as an actor. Right. So for me, it's just like, you know, that process is not the my favorite because then you have to <laughs> wait. Sure. Yeah, the waiting sucks. The waiting sucks, yeah. man. I remember those days. I stopped doing it about five years ago to get into this. Right. But I, yeah, I could. After a while, you just kind of hit that wall. You're like, I just can't keep. Doing it. <laughs> it wasn't for me. It wasn't. Right. For me. If I had achieved your success, maybe I'd still be in the game. But like for me, I just couldn't get. It. You won a, a number of NAACP awards for House, which yeah, was great, was great for you. You move on to Shooter now. This I I love the Fuqua movie. Uh, what yeah. was that like stepping into that uh, thing? Because I mean, you'd done that kind of before in major league when you stepped in for wesley for for willie may says you're stepping into an already known product here in shooter what was that experience like for you that was man that was one of my favorite experiences oh really we had so much fun it was just like you know really guy stuff like we're just getting (laughs) to shoot weapons and jump around and you know and and um john lavin you know the the creator of the show Mm -hmm. we just had a lot of fun and it felt you know it was great working with ryan and he actually um they had done the film. The film was based on a series of books. Right. So, you know, he was really taking storylines from the books versus, you know, the, the feature that yeah, was made. They're sep- two separate things. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Two separate experiences. That's for sure. Yeah. And people really love that show, man. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like a, um, it, it was kind of like it's just a speeding train. Yeah. It was less of a roller coaster and it was more about a speeding train. And, mm-hmm. and that was fun for me to like play the bad guy. Yeah. You know, and play the guy. You rarely like, play that. Yeah, right? and that's why I wanted to do that. I was yeah. just like, oh, this is this would be different, you know. And it's and but the challenge was like to make the audience still love him. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Have like, a charm to him. Yeah. So I always looked him. at it like he was a good guy that made a bad decision. Right. 
and then ha- you know hopefully he would be redeemed you know by the end <laughs> <laughs> that's good i know i like it because once again here's you shaking things up right yeah. you may play a villain and with a little bit of charm to him and see how he connects with everybody else yeah um you know sitting we're almost at the hour mark it's been fantastic talking with you omar you're just Thank like you, I don't know, you're incredibly cerebral guy and the things you say are you know come from a grounded place um this you talk about you've mentioned a couple times your upbringing you know uh, you wrote a book about it from fatherless to fatherhood yeah. you know what was the what was the process of writing that book and what were you maybe exploring within yourself that motivated you to write the book well i had a uh, i had a moment when my son was 2 mm-hmm. um that made me question whether growing up without a father had crept into my fatherhood. Oh, interesting. And so i kind of went on this exploration of that thought and mm-hmm. started writing and and, uh, you know, midway through, I, I, I felt like, well, wow, maybe, you know, my story could be, you know, a tool of inspiration to others. Mm-hmm. And um, and especially within the black community, like there's this, you know, we the, the, the black family, black fathers, like it's it's this whole thing. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a thing that I think is has rapidly shifted. Yeah. And as much as it has shifted, it hasn't. Um, so for me, you know, having grown up without a father and then becoming a father and, and then it's, you know, there's levels of fatherhood too. Like you, it's not just, you know, Hey, you pay the bills and you send a check, you gotta, <laughs> right. you gotta be active yeah. and you gotta, and, and it's an ever changing thing. Um, and someone asked me some question about being a father and I'm like, being a father is like life. It's like, it happens in phases. It's yeah. like, as you, you know, one day your kid's two, then they're five, then they're 10, and it's all new. It's all right. new phases, you know, and then 15, and you're like, whoa, what's this? It's like a video game. It you is. The next level is a whole new set of challenges. Exactly. But they're but, that level. But they're always your kids, and, mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, we're, we grow and evolve. And, I mean, they say older older uh, people make better parents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's because you figured out a little bit of life. Right. You know, you're so. not maturing along with the child. Exactly. There's, there's a difference there in that way. So absolutely. Yeah. But that was, you know, it was, it was, um, I, I'm, I'm proud that I was able to, to, to achieve that mm-hmm. for myself, you know, write this book, share my story. Um, and it was, you know, when I, when I go around and, and talk, you know, the, the, the conversations that open up, man, it, it's really a visceral thing. You know, mm-hmm. I've had talks with, with groups of people where, you know, there's the emotions start flowing and, you know, sure. people are, uh, you know, that because if a person grows up without a parent, that's like a, that can be a lifelong scar. Yeah. You know, and my thing is, is that it, but it, it doesn't have to be, um, uh, it doesn't have to bond us forever. We have to find that forgiveness in our own hearts and, and, and get through it. You know, and, and yeah. so that we break that cycle. And certainly, again, within the black community, it has been a cyclical thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, I want to get out there and change the narrative that it's not cool. And right. to make like being a father the trend. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you taking see Taking pride in that. Taking that pride in that. Be, and yeah, and I see that. There's a lot of good young brothers out there, mm-hmm. you know, black and brown. That's, yeah. that's you know, they're taking care of their responsibilities and they're... And they're out there promoting right you know fatherhood and they're proud to you know be active in their kids lives yeah i always think about that chris rock bit when he's like mother you're supposed to pay your bills right. you're supposed to be a good dad right and exactly like, you're not supposed to get credit for that you're supposed to do that exactly it's always funny to hear that kind of stuff but it's tough man yeah, it's tough when you you yeah, know yeah, if, yeah. You, if, if if you you know you, there's a lot of influences nowadays man if your grandfather wasn't there for your father mm-hmm. and your father wasn't there for you now you get heaped with all of that yeah you know what i mean and mm-hmm. and so you know, a lot of times we can be products of our environment. Right. But I, again, there's a lot of great young brothers fighting through that. And, and it's, mm-hmm. you don't have to have money. You don't have to have the best education in the world right. and have degrees to be a good parent. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's the message I'm trying to push out. There. I'm sure your wife helped you with that as well. I had yeah. a conversation with you like, hey. We oh yeah, figure this out. We gotta yeah. figure this out. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the wife will keep you on point. <laughs> <laughs> a good wife will keep you on point. That's sure. That's sure. That's, <laughs> my lady does that for me. That's for damn sure. Uh, I do want to ask one last question before we go because I mentioned this earlier. Uh, the the major league two thing. How did like what, what, what is? Did you talk to Wesley about it before you took it on? Was there has there been any conversations since it? Because it's such an iconic role for Wesley, man, and it's yeah. still beloved both major league and major. People like the sequel as well to a degree. So like, what what's that? Uh, I kind of got caught up in that. But it wasn't my it, so the second film that I ever did was called The Program. Yeah, right. Was, the was, college football one. Yes. Right. So it was written and directed by David Ward, who wrote uh, Major, Major League. League. Right. So when we were halfway through filming that, he was like, "Hey, we're doing a sequel to this film. You know, 
what do you think about being in it? And I'm like, hey, it's, you know, it's Wesley Snipes, blah, blah, blah. Right. And he was like, hey, I don't think it's going to work with Wesley. But... <laughs> Wesley's getting a little too big. <laughs> and so, you know, look, he gave me my second job. So I felt, you know, loyal, like, right. well, let me go ahead and do the thing with him. And and um, and we did it. And um, Did that, that cause was... any friction with you and Wesley later no, on? No, 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 totally no, cool. no. Yeah, because uh. he was like, he was trying to do the blade thing and right, right. go to the next level, man. <laughs> You know, <laughs> he's cool with it. it yeah, yeah. No, I, mean, I love Wesley. He's coming back now. I mean, it yeah. seems like, uh, you know, more and more people want to start using him more and more and stuff. And as they should, man, he's an incredible is actor. And I want to, you know, I, I, I do have a bucket list. Like I want to work with Wesley. I want to work with Denzel. I want to work with, you know, the yeah. guys who who I look up to in this thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and, and try to make some magic together. You know what I mean? That was going to be my next I question. I want to work like, with Spike Lee. Yeah. We were trying to put something together a few years ago. It didn't, it didn't come to pass, but I definitely I got to work with Spike. Yeah, before it's all said and done, and um, you know, like they, you know, Sidney Poitier is 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 my acting hero, mm-hmm. and I've uh, I'm fortunate enough that we, he knows that. And I've, oh I've, wow! I've you met him face to face and on. told him like, "Yo, you the reason why I do what I do." Yeah, and uh, and and even more fortunate that he he was aware of who I who I am. Right. So that was like, wow. All right, you could pinch me now. I'm good to go. <laughs> you know, he carries it on. That's for sure. You yeah. know, that's that's incredible. So, yeah, that, that was my last question. Like, I was going to ask you, like, what, what do you want to do next with your career? What is like? Because obviously, having this conversation with you now, I see that you're an actor who wants to shake things up, wants to pursue the next thing yeah. that's going to challenge him as an actor. It isn't just about the check or the money necessarily. It's about like what's going to inspire you creatively. What are you looking at now? What is what well, the next the next now? phase is uh, I'm definitely going to act you know because that's my first love but it's, right. the, it's the writing and directing okay yeah that's the next evolution of wow. the career is, is to go heavily into that and mm-hmm. i've been doing it you know behind the scenes right for about the last 10 years but you know it's coming around like we'll get some of these things over the hump into production right and done and and, and um but that's definitely you know so it's, it's a natural progression but it's also the evolution it's how i look at uh stories now mm-hmm. and, and and how i you know certain stories you know, need to be told. Right. And so I want to lend my voice, you know, and my pen game and, and my eye behind the camera to some of those stories. Have there been any offers to do uh, episodics? Maybe one episode here, one episode there, kind of cut your teeth a little bit on TV directing? Or is that not something that, you're... There haven't been any offers okay. yet. I think, you know, I'm going to do some things next year. Okay. Um, hopefully putting together this short film. Nice. So, you know, get that out there so people can see. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Knows what he's doing. Right. I was trying to actually... Um, I was. Tr- I wanted to direct an episode of House, and we were gearing up for oh. that, but then it, it went away. Right. But we were gearing right. up for that. Like I was right. shadowing, and, yeah. and I even pitched David Shaw the, the the show idea that I had, and he was like, "Oh wow, that's really good." <laughs> and, 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 and you know, but it didn't come to pass. Well, uh, everything comes in time. I'm yep. sure it will happen for you. Uh, one last question: Is there one role that got away from you that you uh, that that stings you to this day, or anything like that in your career? Nah, the only okay. one that the only one that got away was um, Lorenz's role in Dead Presidents. Oh. He just beat me out for it because yeah. I auditioned for that and, and then I was like, what happened? Who, they're shooting it. I was like, who got it? And they were like, Lorenz. I'm like, all right, cool. That's the homie. So. Yeah, Lorenz tastes great. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but when I saw that movie, I was like, damn. It's <laughs> a good one. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Sure. That's the only one, you know? That's right. the only one that, that I'm aware of. But not a lot of actors can say that. There's only one that they got away because a lot of them have a few. So yeah. uh, that speaks to the volume of your work, man, and the consistency and the incredible work that you've done over the years uh, as an actor. I'm excited to see what you do as a director and writer. So no, that puts me in motion uh, as well uh, as a viewer of films. Uh, once again, that's Omar Epps. The film is called Trick. Thanks so much, man. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank you, man. Uh, it's out now in theaters uh, on demand and on digital. And he's also got another movie coming out called 3022. Uh, it comes out on November 22nd in theaters on demand and digital as well. So the man keeps working. That's, that's what you want. And you get to enjoy his talent more and more in films like this. And hey, if you're a horror person, if you're a Halloween person, I think Trick really speaks to you. So go and, and take a look at that thing and see his work as Mike Denver in Trick. Uh, that's Omar Epps. This is John Roca for The Deep Cut. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. And I'll end it as I end every episode. Um, whatever you need to do to get through the next second, next minute, next hour, next day, next week, next year, find your way to do that because you never know what's waiting for you on the other side. I'm telling you, it just might surprise you. All right, we'll talk to you next time on The Deep Cut. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, 
from negative to positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.